It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. On Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Welcome to another edition of the Giants huddle podcast. John Schmelk, Paul Dottino with you as we continue to profile candidates for the Giants head coaching position. Today we're going to talk about Brian Flores, who was just let go as head coach of the Miami Dolphins, interviewing with the New York football Giants. To talk about it from Outkick.com, their senior NFL writer. That is Armando Salguero, friend of the program. Armando, you got Schmoke and the team up here. Thanks so much for the time, man. I'm sure it's a lot warmer down there in Miami than it is up here. Uh, but tell us why things maybe got a little hot for Brian Flores at the end of his tenure with the Dolphins and why he is no longer their head coach before we get into what he did while he was there. Absolutely. So thank you very much for having me on, gentlemen. It's always great to be a friend of the program. Um, as to Brian, he wasn't a friend of the program in Miami at the end of his tenure, obviously. Uh, we know this because owner Stephen Ross, inciting the reason that he moved on from Brian Flores, said that the organization was not collaborating, was not working out with relationships among you know, the top brass on the football side, which obviously included Flores. And so for that reason, because you kind of need everyone rowing in the same direction to get upstream in the AFC East, uh, Flores was the odd man out. General Manager Chris Greer stayed. They obviously had disagreements over quarterback Tua Tungavailoa and what his future might bring. And so, therefore, uh, the owner went with the general manager rather than the head coach, who, by the way, had two winning seasons the last two seasons. Well, Armando, I think that actually begs the other side of the coin that has to be asked here. What is it that Flores did so well that allowed him to put up 19 regular season wins over the last two years? Well, he got maximum out of a lot of players he developed a lot of players most of them on the defensive side but definitely developed a lot of players and he found a way to overcome the deficiencies of for example Tonga Law. <laughs> and so uh, you put those together and the fact that the team usually improved as the season wore on. The fact that, um, you know, they didn't always have great talent but always had great effort. Those things helped him and helped the Dolphins to be, you know, good. They weren't a playoff team either one of those two years, but they were in the hunt. They were in the conversation. They weren't irrelevant, in other words. What do you think it is about his coaching style, Armando, that allowed the Dolphins to improve like that as those seasons wore on? You know, and this year, for example, just if Giant fans don't know, it was a roller coaster. Win the first game, lose seven, win seven. Just why do you think with the way he coached the team, it tended to go that way? Brian Flores, throughout his tenure in Miami, he put, you know, typically a coach or he's hired and he puts together, you know, a coaching staff of assistants. Well, Flores basically in three years put three different staffs together. Um, you know, he brought assistants from Green Bay, excuse me, from uh, New England to be 
for example, the offensive coordinator, he brought Chad Shea in the first year. He'd known Chad Shea for 14 years in New England. He knew what Chad Shea was about and what he was thinking. And after the first season in Miami, he fired Chad Shea. And he brought in Chan Gailey. And Gailey was retired at the time and 69 years old. And in a year where the Dolphins were, you know, drafting their so-called forever quarterback at number five overall in Tua Tungavailoa, they had 69-year-old Chan Gailey trying to, you know, be the developer of that quarterback. And that didn't work out, so Chan left. And then this year they had two offensive coordinators because Flores couldn't decide which one of the two guys that were on his staff he wanted to hire to be the offensive coordinator. Um, You know, he went through four offensive line coaches. He went through two defensive coordinators. It it was a, a rolling turnover fest with the coaching staff, and obviously that showed on the field, especially early in seasons, as players were adjusting and getting used to new schemes, new way of doing things, and new coaches. And, by the way, vice versa, because it took the coaches, rather than having uh, a year or two of experience with what a player can do, Each time you bring in a new coach, there's a learning period where that coach has to figure out how, you know, what his players can do well and how to get the best out of them. Armando, we know what he wants from his defensive unit. It's a high pressure unit. They'll send guys from all over the place, not afraid to to use a mixture of, of pressure packages and blitzes. Okay, great. We have a flavor for what he wants there. What is it that he wanted on the offensive side of the ball besides the reports that he would have liked to have had Deshaun Watson in a trade from Houston? But outside of that, what what did he want from, from the offense? So if we approach this from the angle of he knew he had Tua, and so what did he want out of a Tua-led offense? What he wanted was a, a a solid running game. He wanted balance. He wanted quick passing, uh, and he didn't. He wanted to avoid turnovers. That's what the Dolphins' offense basically was with Tua at quarterback. It wasn't dynamic. Um, it, it really wasn't consistent. The offensive line wasn't good enough, and that's part of the reason that it was a quick passing game because otherwise. Six foot, two hundred and fifteen pound Tua would have gotten crushed, and so uh, you know that that's that's the offense that they put on the field. It wasn't like that necessarily the first couple of years when Ryan Fitzpatrick was the quarterback, because Fitzpatrick is a you know a more experienced player. He's more of a gunslinger. He was. And make no mistake, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a career journeyman backup type player, but the offense with him at the helm was more dynamic than with Tua. 
And so it was what Flores showed us was that you give him a certain player, he's going to play to those players' strengths. Um, there's a reason why he wanted to change a quarterback and didn't want Tua as his guy long-term. You know, Paul just asked about the offense. I know defense, they always, you know, top three. Uh, Armando, in terms of blitz rate, what else can you tell us about the defense, how he wanted it to go, and, and is he a guy that you think wherever he goes, he will end up becoming the play caller on defense? Well, he wasn't the play caller in Miami. Uh, as a matter of fact, Patrick Graham, who's with the Giants the last couple of years, was his defensive coordinator his first year in Miami. And then after that, it was Josh Boyer, and he called the defenses in Miami the last two years. But the defenses nonetheless had the personality of Flores on them. And to a, if you want to go deeper, the personality of you know the Patriots and Belichickian type approach to defense, and because Flores was. Uh, a defensive coach in the New England organization and at the end want to help win a Super Bowl for the Patriots as their defensive play caller, which is kind of what Gerard Mayo, who's now a very popular candidate for a head coaching job, was in New England this year. The bottom line is uh, that defense uh, is proven, that scheme is proven, that approach is proven, it wins. It can win, um, but and it's it can be exciting if you have the right personnel. But it requires great quarter uh, cornerback play, not good, great cornerback play, and um, you know that's hard to get if you don't have it. Just want to follow up on that, Armando, very quickly. And I agree. I think it has shown results over a long period of time. Do you think it works though when you get up against some of the elite quarterbacks? when they can kind of read some of that pressure coming and they know how to attack it? Hmm. Um, well, it, you know, it depends on, on the day and the quarterback, right? Mm -hmm. So, obviously, for, for New England against, you know, Josh Allen, it failed miserably. He threw five touchdown passes and four incompletions in the playoff game. And, by the way, Josh Allen roasted the Dolphins' defense a couple of times this year and a couple of times last year. So if you run across the wrong guy, you ran across the wrong guy. That's fair. That's <laughs> you fair. Probably, yeah. Uh, but 80% of the time, 90% of the time, the other team doesn't have Josh Allen on the field or Patrick Mahomes. Uh, yes against the greats of the greats of the elite guys right now playing in the NFL, you better bring something, you know, there, he will always say, and he being Flores will always say, we're going to be multiple. We're going to be versatile. We're not going to do one thing. We're going to do a lot of things. Um, we're kind of just breaking it down to the least common denominator here, but to suggest that they were, um, you know, a one-trick pony on defense, that's not accurate. They did a lot of different things. Ultimately, guys, I think it comes down to talent, who's got more of it. Um, against 
players like Josh Allen, he's got more talent. That's the bottom line. One more thing for me, Armando. When he got to the Dolphins, obviously they were struggling, and then after that first year of some scuffles, look what happened. Two consecutive winning seasons. So if he were to come to the New York Giants, a team that certainly has gotten a a lot of bumps and bruises over the last several years, what is it that he's going to need to get this thing turned around? Does he need those player relationships that you talked about? They play for him hard. They don't give up. They give everything they have. They maximize their their production out on the – is that what it's got to be? We, we've heard about some of the, the, the ruffles and the scrapes behind the scenes, but it does seem like either his players are willing to be taught by him or they flat out just like him so much that they'll run through a wall for him. Yeah, I'm not worried about Flores and his player relationships so much. Um, I'm worried about Flores and his relationship with the general manager. Um, You know, he's going to go to whatever team that he's going to go to, including the Giants, and I assume whoever hires him has uh, a feeling that it can work, that it can be collaborative. uh, But make no mistake – Brian Flores is an alpha male now, and if there is a leadership void anywhere uh, at the top of the organization, he's going to fill it Um, because that's what alpha males do typically in the NFL. My other concern is how he deals with his quarterback. I didn't love what he did with Tua his rookie year where after he named Tua the starter – there was a couple of games in which Tua was struggling and Flores pulled him. I think that's bad for, the, for a young player, a young quarterback. Um, and, I, and I think that Flores didn't think it was so bad because he's a defensive coach at the end of the day. And I know he doesn't like to you know, be called that. He says he's an overall coach. But he is a defensive-minded coach, and defensive-minded coaches don't account for a, a quarterback's uh, psyche and emotions as much as maybe offensive-minded coaches do. So I didn't like that. I think it affected to his confidence to a degree, um, and that that it, it looked strange, especially in contrast to. Like, for example, John Harbaugh, Lamar Jackson struggled a lot uh, his rookie year early on, and he never got pulled because Harbaugh, you know, just didn't want to mess with his confidence. Um, Flores didn't have a problem with it, apparently, but I think that was a mistake. Armando, great stuff, my friend. We really appreciate the time. Thank you so much for joining us, as you always do with us. We appreciate it, and we'll talk to you real soon, all right? All right, Jen. It's my pleasure. That's Armando Salguero again, Outkick.com, their senior NFL writer. We thank him for joining us on this episode of the Giants Auto Podcast. Make sure you go check out the other episodes as we take a look at each of the Giants candidates for a head coaching position here in 2022.